Welcome to Talking in Stations. We're going to talk a lot about Patch Day today on this date, April 27th. I'm here with a slew of really, really informative guests. Uh, my co-host today, of course, is Rundle. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, hello to all fellow New Eden pilots on this Patch Day. Yeah. Uh, also with us, we have uh, from TIS, Kenneth. How are you doing, Kenneth? How's it going, Adderall? Good. He's from Pandemic Legion, an industrial juggernaut. He's going to help us uh, flush out a lot of things because he's also on the CSM, but especially this production patch that came out today. Huge change to the game. Also with us to talk about War Matters is uh, Test uh, FC and also an associate of Talking in Stations. He was part of the Midweek Show. You know him, Ron, USMC. How are you doing, Ron? I'm doing well, man. Good. Hello, everyone. Awesome. All right, let's uh, get started. There is a lot of information to go through, and I really want to get to uh, the production stuff. So we'll just start at the very top with war news. Uh, Ron, and, and actually anybody who wants to talk, last Keepstar went down today in PSTAC94K. There was no kill mail for it. That's something that uh, we've talked to Vili uh, about, right? You know, because he's our resident CSM guy, and I'm sure Kenneth has probably heard about it as well. But yeah, the a kill mail didn't generate it for it, maybe because there was too many people, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, there's been a couple like that, uh, FSO and BXTAC, I think. Yeah, it's three. Two right? others. Yeah. yeah. But okay. yeah, it was pretty historic, man. Like, it was a big deal. It, it's the last Keepstar outside of the 1DQ constellation. So it's very exciting. How many keep stars have been taken down? There's 11 left, but how many were taken down? Let me look. I think it was, I want to say it was 31, like, 32, maybe more. It's a bunch. <laughs> yeah, so 41 dead keep stars this war. 36 kill mails you can look up on Z kill. The no kill mail one in F2O, the missing kill mail from BX tag. The definitely not goon one in KQK, the stolen one in KTAC 6, and the ganked one in WTAC K. And to be fair, I would say that we have lost four, right? The three that weren't anchored, and there's no kill mail, and then the low sec one as well. Okay, so you've lost uh, three, but the Imperium and Delve and, and where the war is really centered, uh, 41, did you say? Or, sorry, what was yep. Wow. That's more than I thought. 41 Keepstar is dead, 11 to go. All 11 are actually in the constellation of 1DQ. We'll take a look at that real quick. Um, what? Uh, tell us about the after party as I'm pulling up the map here, because once that Keepstar was dead, what'd you guys do? Well, you know, you never want to CTA sort of mass form, um, you know, and then have the guys just do a kill mail and then that's the end. So after the kill... We circled back around um, T5 and then just went all the way around over into 3TAC-D, which is the entrance to the 1DQ constellation. I'd say that it's the lesser entrance, um, with the main entrance being 1DQ. So we went in over to 3TAC-D and we started shooting structures, uh, the uh, jump bridge, and then I think the beacon and a jammer. And... That's when uh, it all <laughs> uh, hell cut loose, right? Yeah, that got it. That turned into a big fight. Uh, can you talk? That about escalated that? quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, um, Imperium has they, a jump bridge. Responded, man. Yeah, Imperium has a jump bridge right into three TAC D, right from one DQ. Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it basically saves them two jumps, right? Uh, I think it would have gone a lot better for us if we were able to reinforce that jump bridge right to stop their reinforcements and then they would have had to cycle the jammer right um, they cycled the jammer anyway eventually but not being able to reinforce that jump bridge allowed them to keep adding reinforcements and we were fighting on the jump bridge so they didn't even have to warp anywhere right it was great yeah it was uh it was easy pickings for them. So what did they do, and what did it look like in the end there? Uh, they dropped, uh, you know, at first it was the Baltac Doctrine, which are Megathrons, Balgorns, and then Fax, 
um, as the lodgy. Mm -hmm. They and what was great about it was they came out of the jump bridge and then they were already perfect. <laughs> you know, they were in a perfect circle, ready to go. So they came out. That was the first, and then in it was there in Abaddon's, and I also believe Ferox's, if I remember right, or maybe it was Goonswarm and Ferox's, uh, and then uh, there were we you know tons of smaller things as well. It was it was pretty pretty crazy. Let's have a look. The, the battle report is quite interesting to read. What what I'm a little confused about, Ron, is how there was 4.2 billion worth of pods lost on the Pappy side. Who's flying around in those expensive pods? Seriously. Um, I don't. I mean, I could look at the pods, but it sounds like a bunch of learning clones, to be honest. If, you know, there were a lot of capsules, it sounds like maybe just people just had, you know, plus threes in and uh, maybe, we yeah. rage pinged, right? Everybody jumps in and people just don't look. I mean, Five, no, yeah, I'm not 549. on the best pods. Yeah. <laughs> so. 549 pods on the Bappy side, 4.2 billion. 140 pods on the Imperium side, 1.1 billion. So, you know, it's not like they're... It's actually the ratio. If you were to just keep scaling the ratio, they would have had more expensive pods if you just kind of do the math. But still, there's on both sides, guys, pods, takes just a couple seconds. Deal with it. Well, Come on. you know, to be fair, and we'll talk about this later, the numbers are sagging because they say it's a boring war. I put that in quotes. We'll talk about why it's a boring war, if it is. Yeah. But there's a lot of, boring or not, there's a lot of time where you're doing, you're sitting, basically. So you want to have learning implants in the pod if you're going to be in this war for weeks uh, not expecting to get killed and i think the last month there wasn't a lot of resistance so i think you do want learning pods i'm uh, sorry learning implants in your pod at the highest level and that might cost you 500 million but i think it's worth a month of training um okay that said you do have a keep star where you can change your outfit so maybe you know this just happened too fast one thing that caught my attention was the really strong response from the Imperium coming in here, and they wiped out 1,200 of your ships to their 300 or 400, more or less, of their ships. And that looks pretty lopsided. Uh, I do know that they were excited about this fight. They really wanted to get people in there because it was shooting a lot of stuff. On the other side of the coin, however, the efficiency doesn't work in their favor. You can see here on this battle report, it's 40% to 60% in favor of Pappy because they were using expensive dreadnoughts and Pappy casualties came, I think mostly from Veroxes. <laughs> I think 440 or something like that. Yeah, that's a ton. And that is not a good trade going into the future. Now I want to preface this with saying both groups have tons of money right now, but going into the future, I'm not sure this is the right way to do it. Losing dreadnoughts to Veroxes. What do you guys think? I think yeah, Kenneth would be able to today, answer that. Ferroxes are really easy to replace now. Um, dreads, mm, not so much. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know, kind of a you have them, let's use them on the last day sort of thing. Maybe uh, maybe there was a little bit of a, a celebration or a stand. I also noticed you know, they, they brought a lot of battleships as well. So um, that uh, I know they've been always, in the conversations I've had, there's kind of this desire to have a, a big battleship fight as well so it looks like they tried to have one um as long as some dreads as well yeah probably was a lot of fun to be on the imperium side with all those battleships and dreads floating around right so that's oh, go ahead yeah battleships right now aren't that hard to replace i'm already stockpiling stuff i'm sure goons are as well they could probably replace several hundred battleships right now and, and not feel a whole lot of pain at all yeah, right. I don't think this is painful. And maybe, you know, throwing some haw dreads, which are high angle weaponry dreads, which can shoot subcapitals or basically smaller ships is exciting, right? Because you feel super powerful doing it. And so you may want to reward morale or get people hyped, you know, by throwing them in with big ships, dreadnoughts that are just exactly annihilating everybody that that may be a good trade, like emotionally. On paper and ISK-wise, it's not necessarily a good trade. But right now, that may not be the consideration that's most important. Yeah, the, on the numbers side, for sure. Uh, yeah, 444, uh, basically, Ferox is lost, right? That's 
to four battleships. Um, you know, that's uh, if you're on you know, on the Imperium side, you're you're having a lot of fun in this fight for sure. A lot of targets to shoot, a lot of targets going down, uh, and probably no one's worrying too much about the ISK efficiency at this point on on a fight like this. Yeah, Ron, you might speak to this being an FC that you want to provide a good time for your guys. And sometimes that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I was watching and I, and I thought the calls were great on uh, Pappy's side that the battleships, you know, were putting out massive damage. The Feroxes were putting out damage. But those Hawdreds can absolutely murder things, especially, you know, bubbled, right? Like, and they can just murder Feroxes. So they were killing Faxes. And they were killing uh, the the Hawdreds, right? I, they're getting the DPS off the field. And I think they were also still trying to reinforce the jump bridge to stop reinforcements. And then it just got to a point where, you know, they were starting to lose more as the reinforcements kept stacking up. Um, the gate that we had to take was bubbled to hell. And, you know, in tie-dye, that makes it even worse. So... We weren't uh, able to get reinforcements there as fast as just sitting on a jump bridge. I, you know, I, I thought uh, all the guys on Pappy did great, and I thought uh, the guys on Imperium did well. Like looking at the damage, the the most damage from their side was from the Feroxes, right? And uh, the second most damage was uh, their battleships, right? Yeah, you and know, then way behind was their their Hawdreds. Yeah, voided. Voided Morrow Gaming says that the uh, Hawdreds didn't actually get on kill mails, and that kind of changes my perspective on this then. Yeah, it's interesting. And a lot of, you know, this kind of thing is about probing and seeing what their reactions are going to be and right. us adjusting our tactics, you know, to, to what they're going to do. And I think this kind of is like a, a prelude to being able to, you know, ramp things up and have some more fun in the coming weeks. So, Ron, you know, it's, the difference is only $38 billion. As an FC or even just as a general member of, of uh, you know, of a big coalition fighting another one, $38 billion, even though it's, you know, 60-40, doesn't feel like a really big spread. Like, so I, I would, for me, I would say the ISK was, eh, it's kind of even. And then, then I would look at the numbers, and I would probably, in this case, say yeah, Imperium won this fight. Would you, would you look at it the same way, given those numbers? Well, I mean... I would consider it just a fight, right? Um, that Pappy won the Isk War. Yeah, you know, who cares, right? The, the most important thing about this fight was that, you know, it was being streamed, um, that people had fun in it, that, you know, Imperium got to use, you know, one of their favorite defensive doctrines, Baltex. And this kind of thing helps morale. It helps people log in. And the next time when Imperium is pinging or Pappy is pinging, like, we need this, you know, more people are going to want to get involved, right? They see all this fun that everyone had, and they're going to want to be in on that. And that's the most powerful thing. The We didn't have an objective. Um, the ISK war, whatever, you know, that's just, that's for Reddit, man. Like, yeah, it was a, it was a everyone had check. fun. This is yeah. an after, I call it the after party because you killed the keep star. You had all these guys all dressed up. You needed somewhere to go and you went to one DQ constellation, which is next. You got involved in some of the yep. structures there. They defended good fight. People happy. That is good for future fights as people will sign up for the next one. Let's look at participation actually, because this, uh, uh, Flanders guy, I think he's not from initiative, although it's or bastion. I think it says he is, but he's not, uh, this came out on Reddit. And uh, basically, he comes out every, was it week or so? Except you can see here, he skipped a few weeks. Uh, comes out and basically says, like, you know, what, what the PvP fighting numbers are. These aren't theoretical numbers. If you register on a kill, uh, you register to your corporation as a PvPer. And then you add up the corporations and you get the alliance number. And so if you look on... Uh, Dotland, you can see who's participated in the last week and been on at least one kill mail. So these are rough numbers, but they're more accurate than theoretical numbers of how many people are inside of a corporation or an alliance. Uh, and it shows the numbers have uh, slowly gone down by 10 or 20% across the board. Now, people say, there's the word, right? Across the board. 
uh, not people, but uh, Brisk, you know, I've heard him say, and I see him uh, in Reddit also continuing that narrative of this war is so boring. What do you think about yeah. that? Well, looking, I mean, looking at the numbers, you know, there's a, the graph uh, does have a nice table on the side and tracking the 38 week change test is up a bit. Um, but just the last month, that's what I'm looking at the last month. It is down, as you say, across the board, various amounts, but uh, you know, each of these groups have had to do some additional work um, that is going to take away from the fight, right? Uh, moving into Quirius, uh, moving into Delve requires ADM fleets and, and more logistics and moving. Uh, and, you know, there's things happening in the world. Spring has sprung. There's lots of different things. So there's absolutely always an ebb and flow. Um, some of the big numbers, I think, that, I, that jump out at me is the initiative, that's, uh, you know, the 38-week change is huge. Even the four-week change is, is quite large. Um, the rest, uh, you know, it, boring could be a, a, an element. They seem to be trending equally, though. If you look at the graph, they all kind of have the same ebb and flow. Um, for Goon Swarm, uh, Pandemic Horde, Test, they're kind of tracking almost the same shapes. And uh, Initiative, NC, and Brave, almost similar shapes. So something, you know, there's two... There's the two elements is what's happening in the real world as well as kind of what's happening in the war. And if you take a step back and look at that, I think that accounts for these, these numbers. I certainly know on our side, um, there's been a lot of focus on a little bit more of the, the move in tasks and that takes away from fleets. Oh, good point. Uh, Ron, do you have anything to say about it or not? I, I would think that, you know, today's fight is sort of a bookmark on that, right? It's no longer boring for the Imperium, right? Um, I can see, you know, that if they're purposefully not defending things because they want to keep it in-house in the 1DQ constellation, today is the end of that, right? And, right. you know, hey, that might learn, uh, kind of lead to people learn, or losing learning clones, right? Yeah. <laughs> They've been sitting there for so long. <laughs> See, that's indicative, isn't it? That people were having learning clones, which are valuable, in your pods because you didn't think you were going to face resistance. Exactly. And that's a pretty good sign that where the mindset is of Pappy players. <laughs> kind of interesting. Yeah. There's a pretty good debate going on in the, uh, in the audience as to, you know, I said, you know, I kind of call it a loss. Uh, and, you know, it's, each side is going to have their own narrative. I'm just trying to look at it as fact. If I take a step back and I look at the numbers, the dollar, you know, the ISK is fairly even, the ship types, sure, but the raw numbers of people who got inconvenienced in that regard, I would say, well, you know, it's a pretty big ratio. Well, uh, the So it really comes down to what you consider is more important. And in a fight like this, I consider the morale and the emotional victory to probably be far more important. And uh, I certainly have been on fights like this as well, where in terms of sheer numbers, we mow down very large numbers, but the ISK war is we're on the wrong side. But I personally feel as a pilot, wow, we won. I have an enormously filled kill board, and I feel good about that. All right. The uh, last thing on this, we'll move on. We have a lot to get through, is if you're going to say the war is so boring in an attempt to drive a wedge between the players and their leaders, which I think is what they're trying to do. It kind of cracks me up because if the war is boring, that means you're not resisting. Therefore, you're not providing uh, any resistance. So you're getting rolled. Or you are resisting and you're not doing it very well and you're getting rolled. So it is very boring for your opponents to just destroy everything that you have. Doesn't seem to me to be a good selling point. Uh, and also, it it doesn't take into account that there are going to be lulls in any war, especially long ones. And when things get easy, less people show up. Now it's going to get hard. Now we're going to see those numbers. You already saw a good strength check from Pappy. You saw a really good strength check from the Imperium. Whether it was boring or not, I don't know. But it, it, uh, it certainly ebbs and flows. And now it's flowing. So we'll see what happens in the future. Okay. Uh, today, an interesting thing happened uh, in... Um, geez, Amatar, I think it was. Uh, there was some in-game event that happened that uh, I got a chance to look in on. Let's have a look at that video. Let me make sure the volume doesn't crank. And uh, basically, you had some Brooder tribe uh, dreadnoughts attacking an Amatar planet, their capital planet, and they uh, were doing orbital bombardment, which reminded me of Dust Days. 
which is kind of cool. Oh, why isn't this video coming up? Maybe Twitch, there it goes. So you can see the orbital bombardment. You, three, you see three Naglfar uh, dreadnoughts bombing that planet. Uh, that planet city uh, there was called Tor Amat, which is the capital of the Amatar, uh, basically, uh, what's it called? The Amatar Mandate, which is a people that are basically Minmatar, but they like the Amarian way. So they've kind of switched sides. And uh, so they uh, are kind of considered like traitors or, or whatever to Minmatar. So the Bruder attacked them. And the official Minmatar Republic said, we don't know anything about this. We don't know why they're doing that. So there is a backstory there to explore if you're interested. But this became a live event. Those three dreadnoughts were destroyed by players, uh, which was quite cool. And um, that event lasted only about a half hour, but now there's news about it. So you can check that out in the world news right here. Uh, you can check that out inside of... Um, I guess it's the uh, community.evonline.com. They have world news, and this describes what happened in the backstory and that sort of stuff, which is quite cool. Okay, uh, last thing about this that was interesting was you might have seen this high sec authorized mobile sinusoidal beacon. That is just a prop. It doesn't exist. People did see it in the database and maybe got a little freaked out. Uh, but don't don't worry about it. It's just decoration for this event. And what's neat is when that was dropped, those dreads, of course, were next to it. So it looked like that's where they jumped into. But what you could do is actually warp to this sinusoidal beacon, which was great because that means you could warp right to where the dreads were and participate in the event. Pretty cool. I was there, by the way. And this reminds me, this attack um, reminds me of when... The Quantum Rise trailer came out in 2008, I think. Now, it was a cool trailer um, that showed when Kador, that was kind of an offshoot of Amar, attacked Galente Federation space. Let's take a quick look at that. I'll put on the volume for this one. Hopefully you can hear it. I'll take a look. Wrapping up financial news, commodity prices fell on profit-taking for trading runs, but the manufacturing sector rallied on economic data showing a sharp increase in orders for starship components meanwhile an increase in mining yield for the period indicates um, we have a breaking story this is live footage of the rattles border in solitude where imperial navy warships have just crossed uh, wait correction we have reports now that those ships belong to the amarian royal air urium kador not the Amarian Air Uriam Kador has just launched a personal invasion of Federation space, which just months ago was invaded by... I'm sorry, we're getting more footage now. Okay, heavy fighting is underway between forces in... Look! Military experts are calling this a sinusoidal field. Hundreds, maybe thousands of ships are coming through. This is a massive Federation counterattack. The Galenteans are fighting back with everything they've got. Look, a Federation Titan has just come through. There's no escaping them now. All right, that was a Quantum Rise trailer that came out years ago, 2009. But the reason I bring it up is because it has similarities to what we saw today, which was Minmatar denying that they know what Bruder Tribe is up to, which is one of their factions. And uh, in this case, a long time ago, Amar said the same thing about Kador, saying, hey, Galente, we don't know why he's attacking you, but we'll punish him for it. So interesting intrigue there. A little bit of lore. Okay, moving on to a little bit more game news. Asset safety uh, on Hobo Leaks. Uh, actually, this is asset safety chart that was put together by this guy. I uh, don't have his name handy. Uh, he's from Test. Let's see. Namina. And uh, he basically said, hey, look, asset safety is going to go up in cost. And so here's the chart that he put together based on Hobo Leaks numbers for the value. So here you have the base value, how much something costs to build, um, what it used to cost, and as of today, what it will cost, and then how much the asset safety used to be for that 
and how much it's going to be in the future. If this is to be believed, an avatar used to cost about $7.5 billion to get out of asset safety. Now it's going to cost $26.5 billion to get out. And uh, if you have a super capital ship, for instance, it used to cost $2.1 billion, and it will cost now $7.4 billion. So these are multiples of what it used to be. Big jump. Yeah. Kenneth, do you have anything uh, on that at all? You might be out at the moment. Uh, on mute, actually, I believe. Kenneth, you have a problem with mute there. Is he, are you able to talk? Or maybe he's, uh, he's away. Uh, no, I, I see him moving. It's like a yeah. puppet with no voice. Um, so I'll play the part of Kenneth. I, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I'll try and mimic. Yeah, it's uh, because the as a cost, there's a cost element for the asset safety. As the cost of the item goes up, the cost of the asset safety goes up. So because the new base values have increased dramatically, that means the new asset safety cost will have also dramatically increased as well. Okay. By the way, we lost Ron USMC, who had to go take on a fleet. There's going to be a lot of activity. Thanks to Ron for stopping by earlier. All right. The reason I brought this up uh, is it may play a role in the future of, first of all, for everybody out there, I should have said this yesterday, but get your stuff out of asset safety that's super expensive because it may go up. It may have already gone up because of the volatility of the market. That constitutes what the asset safety price is going to be. So it may have been too late. I think I did give that warning out at the beginning of uh, when all these changes were first announced. But the yeah, I way I look at did. this, yeah, the way I look at this is uh, the Imperium started talking about asset safety yesterday and reassured their guys that they were going to pay the asset safety bill. And I think if you're talking about, this is theoretical, taking 500 to 1,000 super capitals and titans and asset safetying them, that bill just got three and a half, four times as high as it used to be. So that just looks a lot more painful if that is the escape route of Imperium, which I'm not sure it is because they have other options. Uh, asset safety is just one of them. So, so basically what... The Imperium may be saying is, we'll cover your asset safety of your other items, but your warships, we want you to stay here and fight with those warships. So, also think strategically, that was a message to their people not to worry about the increased asset safety cost uh, because they don't want them switching sides, right? Another way out for those guys is to say, you know what? I don't want to pay $26 billion. That's as much as another super uh, just to get my tighten out of storage in asset safety just to be in Ermelin, where there's a fraternity Keepstar sitting there looking at it. That's a bad situation. I may want to just switch sides. I'm not sure people will do that, but um, I think saying, hey, don't worry about that cost. We got it. We'll make you whole is a good way to uh, re-incentivize people to stick around. All right. That's still a big, pretty big bill if a lot of people start bringing that bill forward, though. So uh yeah you know uh here's mer monthly economic report a poshvin loot uh table i'm going to skip this we'll get to it uh, later in the week because i need to ex understand it better to explain it correctly today in hobo leaks by the way ken do we have your voice yet nope. no still muted all right i well, need to disconnect and come back there ken it's not it's not on my side i'm pretty sure yeah, just one real quick uh, fact check. Uh, it, it, the Imperium Dreads did get on kill mails. Uh, lots of them actually. I was a little checking. I think, uh, I think we you. misinterpreted one of the comments incorrectly. So before all those Dread pilots come at Matterall, no, we recognize you got on the kills. Good job. Well, I cited my source, which was somebody in the audience, and I just thought that was interesting and would change my mind about the uh, yeah. intent. But thank you for clearing that up and giving us some straight info that's that's correct uh so now that false information is tied to that guy <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay so hobo leaks a lot of stuff in hobo leaks i don't really want to spoil too much because hobo leaks represents what's on the test center this stuff that we're about to talk about is not in the game yet but it points to stuff that will probably be coming into the game in the next month 
So just a couple things. We won't go into detail here. We don't have time, but uh, the the monument that is going to be built in M2 was uh, is is now inside of the test center. Uh, we have thanks to Doctor Spod here some really cool versions of uh, animated uh, Aurora, or Aura. And we're not going to hear a voice here, but you can see uh, animated expressions. And we, kind of, I think that's kind of neat, actually, personally. But yeah, we watched him play through like the you know the uh, new player experience or the first few minutes of the game time, and the characters there all the time and animated all the time, voiced all the time. It really feels like you have a little companion with you, which is cool, and she's guiding you through the initial steps and stuff. Now, what's cool about this is this is Aura, which we knew was going to happen. We saw this in Las Vegas in 2019. It was demonstrated. Uh, and then they showed that this might extend to mission uh, NPCs, the people that give you the missions. And I think we saw some underpinnings of that animation for them. So maybe in the future, uh, in the near future, getting a mission is going to have a voiced um, have a voiced AI that talks to you. Uh, not AI, but basically a voiced character that gives you the mission and tells you what to do, which would be kind of cool. All right, another thing we saw today, I won't show it here because I want you guys to see it for yourself, not in our program, but Jita has a new interior. So if you're docked up in Jita, it is gorgeous. It looks like a metropolitan. Yeah, on, on CC that is. There you go. Yeah, this is on CC. It's not here yet. Uh, so we won't spoil that. You can look at it. Another thing that we found was that Eve is turning 18 on May 5th. So you're going to see a lot of um, celeb celebration things going on. There's already a um, Eve Turns 18 statue. Uh, I think that's going to be, what was that? Uh, Katya Say, and they have her holding the 18. It was for something. No, that that was for the uh, video contest that they're holding, right? So they're they're mm -hmm. holding a right. contest for, for people, and they use the Katya Say uh, just a, a statue to promote it. That's... Uh... That's for the contest. Yeah, we, we showed that yesterday. It's really cool. But also when Eve turns 18, you're going to see what we looked at in some of the Hobo League stuff. Uh, this isn't a big spoiler, so we'll go ahead and talk about it. It is an 18 uh, T1 Cruiser free-for-all. It means 18 people coming in to fight each other. One man or one ship leaves alive. Everybody else dies. Uh, 18 for 18 years, it sounds like. And uh, yeah, Those are actually updated on TQ already. Oh, the filaments are already updated on TQ. They they did not want to make this a spoiler. They just flat out put it out and said, "Hey, this is coming," and try and get max participation. Fantastic! So, uh, free for all for eighteen cruiser pilots. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then later on, uh, uh, by the way, this looks like it's May seventh through eleventh, and then later on on the twenty first through the twenty fifth. Gnosis uh, are going to be fighting each other, but it, it's going to be two versus two Gnosis. All right. One last thing here before we get to the big story of the day, which is uh, production, is these Webby Awards. Uh, Kenneth, you wanted to bring this up, right? Right. The, the Webby Awards is basically uh, an online award that goes to video games or things that are in them. And for Eve, it's Project Discovery. And the main competitor that Project Discovery has is a, is a game that's on a phone. Um, I assume it's iOS and Android. But those people are not doing any social media whatsoever. They're just using push notifications to, hey, please vote for us as you're using the app on your phone. So they have a, a direct access, whereas Eve has to rely more on social media. Um, there has been a couple prompts on the launcher but they don't want to do an actual push notification to in-game to get you to vote. So they're relying more on social media and word of mouth to do it. But uh, if you get a chance and uh, you can go look, uh, please register and vote for Project Discovery. Yeah, let's give you a chance to do that right now. I'll grab the uh, URL and drop it into channel there. So, oh, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we we look like um, we might win that, but it's going to be it's other groups are catching up. So if we don't get more votes on there, uh, we may see that slip out of our hands, which would be too bad. Webby Awards are actually they're actually very prestigious among uh, the web design community. All right, 
And now, finally, to our topic of the day, the patch notes. Yay! First thing that's funny about this, Kenneth, uh, I'll turn it over to you in a second, is there aren't that many notes because no. they, they really just refer you to this development blog. Other than that, there's really just a handful of notes here. It's almost like a bug report. I think they just hit the high, the highlights, right? And, and fix one little defect fix, right? Poor little uh, exploration got a little fix. Or well, they, and, uh, and the gas. The gas yeah. was actually supposed to be in on the first patch, and or for whatever reason, it, it wasn't. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was kind of a dead horse at this point, and there's no sense flogging it anymore. <laughs> so, you know, everyone, anyone who was shocked by today's patch notes that, uh, you know, industry changes were coming probably needs to go back and read the blog anyway. So it was just a continuation of what's already happening. So Kenneth, real first question off the top of my head is the, the adjusted adjusting of the T2 ships when you're, when you're reprocessing, I don't know how many times you reprocess a T2 ship anyways, but um, when those, the standard, Materials removed. Was that announced? Did I just miss that, or did I just not care because of my previous comment about like why would I do it anyways? But yeah, it, it, CSM didn't know either. But in reality, it was a double reprocess. So like when you reprocess a capital, you get your capital components back. You don't get minerals back, and then you have to reprocess the capital components to get minerals because it's a two-step build process. The same thing for T2 ships. When you reprocess, you get the components back. If you want moon goo back, then you have to reprocess again. And they essentially gave you minerals back because it reprocessed the tech one ship, which is the input or the tech one item, which is the input to tech two. So, and that's a one item, one of one. So there shouldn't be any reprocessing back from that anyway. So this was more. I don't want to say squashing a bug because it was in there on purpose, but it was more just cleaning it up to make it the same as everything else, basically. So that when you hit reprocess, you basically go back one step. And then if you want the next step, then you have to reprocess again and you lose 45% every time. Okay. That makes sense. Can I actually get the T1 hold back in the reprocess? Step? No, because no, it, I mean, it's, it's only one item. So you yeah. never... If, if get only a single one item. item is used, yeah, you'll never get that back. Yeah, which means all that 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 second step, that first step, sorry, I guess, of the entire process is completely gone in this case, which I guess leads more back to my first statement, which is why would you ever reprocess a T2 hull? <laughs> go go yeah, blow I mean, it up or give it away or something. It's probably. Yeah, I'm sure much like the removing all the all the belts that didn't have any ore in them that they thought was benign. They probably thought this was benign as well and, and didn't tell the CSM. And it turns out in this case, uh, it probably is benign. But um, yeah, that we did not know that that was coming either. All right. Well, minor part. Let's let's get to the real big news. I just That one kind of just struck me because I was like, ah, must have completely zoned on that. So where would you like to start? What's the biggest thing today? Did were, everything on target? Uh, were they, you know, it's as expected or how, how do you see it? Um, well, right after downtime for about an hour, hour and a half, um, Jita and the markets had some issues. Um, they fixed them internally, got everything back up and running. Other than that, um, I haven't even seen any, no one's, I haven't gotten any DMs. It's been eerily quiet today, um, which almost has me more worried that tomorrow is going to be a, you know, but um, I, I think most people that cared enough about this had, had, been up on it, reading about it. They knew what was happening. So today was just the culmination. Everyone was ready for the most part. And it, 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 it was just another patch day. Um, uh, as I said before, most everybody's pre-built stuff. You know, I could build battleships right now for the most part. So it's, it, it, it was just the end of a, of a long process and uh, the beginning of the, of the next domino. Did it so do you think it rolled out unusually smooth for a, a patch this big? Um, patches lately, knock on wood here. Um, you know, we haven't had the the whole for those of you that are OG, hey, set a long skill queue on Monday right. night or Tuesday type thing. 
that really hasn't been an issue the past few years. I mean, certain things have come out and had a bug here or a bug there, but they've been really good about fixing that, you know, very, very quickly. And we haven't had a significant downtime or, or significant event in quite some time. Yeah. I love that reference. Uh, it used to be that you didn't have a 24-hour queue, uh, or if you did, even when you had a 24-hour queue, you would want to put your skill there that lasted like three weeks so that if downtime hit and you were out for three or four or five hours, um, you wouldn't be penalized for not accruing skill at the time. So you wanted to make sure you had a long Anytime patch day came around, there was always a chance you were going to be out of commission for three or four hours or longer. So he put a he put a skill there that could bridge that gap. Yeah, basically Omega accounts back then had alpha skill queues. That was the skill queue that we worked by. So yeah, it's you, you put on a battleship five or something like that and let it go. And I think it was like Apocrypha or Dominion, one of those in that time frame. It was like five or six days before you had steady access to the game so it was it was rough there for a while yeah you're even calling it battleship five which isn't even which isn't even the way it is now it's uh each race has its own battleship right so that's uh that's well, a little old school talking there by the way you, you make a good point that even when the patch went through a lot of times it'd be instability coming back for the next five or six days so you would just not get uh, stable playing time after that yeah patch yeah. day used to be really scary Absolutely. But not this one. This one, uh, again, not a surprise because they telegraphed it. I think it was communicated well, thanks to, uh, in part, CSM putting out that uh, document that kind of showed where everything was going to go. If you haven't seen yesterday's program of Talking in Stations, you should look at it. Uh, it's uh, basically industry help from RevWorks or Revendahl, and he built a tool that uh, can be used to help conceptualize your understanding of like what the new production lines are going to look like. And that was a good program, also a good tool. He's having a little trouble keeping it steady, keeping it up, but uh, he'll work that out. And, uh, and then you can figure out what you're going to do. But other than that, no real surprises today. Did you want to show, uh, Ken, did you have something to show? You were going to show the blueprint cost or something like as an example? Right. Yeah. The, uh, when, when the patch first came out a couple of weeks ago, the one blueprint that a lot of people latched on was the, uh, do you have the screen up? Yep. Was this blueprint here, the enhanced Neuralink protection cell. And as you can see by the screen, I have it set right now to a Satoyo in high sec in perimeter with tech one rigs. The patch day two weeks ago, it was 486 billion ISK to research this BPO from ME0 to ME10, and it was another $486 billion to research it from TE0 to TE20. So basically a trillion is to research this BPO. And a lot of people were upset, rightly so. However, they also picked Perimeter, which is one of the worst systems in the game to research. But I just want to show in two weeks what's happened. So right now it's set to Perimeter. And I'm going to scroll down and show you the cost. So now it's down to 90 billion, 231 million for that same zero to 10 time. So it's reduced from 486 billion to 90 billion. The 90 billion is still pretty hefty. I, I get that. That would even hurt me. Um, or it, I'd wince a little bit when I press the button, but this is in perimeter. I want to show people real quick the difference between perimeter and a different place. And I'm going to use my favorite system in the game. Well, I bet I know which one it is. Nope. I was going to guess Mela. Scroll so down, as you can scroll see down now, all the way to the bottom just to make sure we could see. Yeah, there's a. There's oh, okay. A, uh, I'm sorry. But it's 307 million ISK to go from zero to 10. So that's basically 620 million to go zero to 10 ME and zero to 20 TE. This is in line with what you would expect with a carrier or it's, it's a little bit less than a super carrier, but a carrier, a fax or a dread BPO. 
So it's not outside of the realm of crazy by any means. But this also shows that when you are doing industry, picking where you do it matters. And it matters a lot. So much, I mean, from 92 or 90 billion to 307 million. So that's a what 87.7 billion shift just by picking a different Saudio. Yeah. That's huge. But and at the, the end and, of the day, the research also, time. well, yeah, the research time too, just from the bonuses. But at, at the end of the day, this is, this is good. In my opinion, this is going to start to become more and more prevalent in the game and something that young new player industrialists uh, are going to be able to capitalize on by not having a set up area and not having a lot of pain moving their their industry somewhere else. If they go to set up, set up in some place that doesn't have an index of 10 already, spread out a little bit and take advantage of the low cost index and your profits will go up. Yeah. And for people that don't understand, it's not the tax from the structure that really counts. It's the systems index that counts. That's the big number you have to watch out for. I can actually show that. I'll, I'll bring it up in, for the Ford. While he's doing that, I just want to reemphasize system index is important. The tax from the structure, less important. No, a high index costs more. So if you're building in an index that has a 4% tax on it, your costs go up by 4%. If you are in GDA or perimeter, that's going to be a 10 or 12% tax, much more. Yeah, it's 17.68 for oh perimeter God. right now. That's a lot. Yeah, so that's, I mean, even in New Caldari, um, it, would, it would probably still be up in the tens of billions to research that, that blueprint. Yeah, huge difference. And so if you want to know what an index looks like for your system, use your map. It has stats and geography heading uh, filter, basically. And inside that group of uh, filters, you will see indexes for research, for manufacturing. And you want to click on those. And then each system will light up with a percentage and tell you which ones are expensive and which ones aren't. And at that point, if you're going to research, you want to go to a place that's uh, cheaper now and one thing this is this is fuzzworks uh steve rookin uh, ex-csm member he's been on the csm for quite some time this is his Renukin? website yeah yeah renukin so if you were in amar say you could just type the the name into the system name and load range and that little four after tells you all the systems within four jumps of amar and then you can sort by index that way. And, and you can put in whatever system you're in, how many other jumps you're willing to go. And it will show you all the systems in that radius and what their indexes are. So you get an idea of where you can go to get a little bit better price for your uh, industrial endeavors. Right. If you, and you can do this in game as well. Uh, I think Steve's uh, third party website that we're looking at is more precise, uh, but in the game, you can do one system out, five systems out, 10 systems out, and then the whole region. You can filter that way. And that I think you find inside the industrial uh, window. Right, in the industry UI. Um, the good thing about the in-game one is it will show you what you have access to. This only shows you the system and and what's a, that there's a system there. In-game will will let you know if there's a citadel or an engineering complex there and whether or not you have access to use those facilities. Yeah. And then you can, and then in game, you can also hover over the symbol for that location uh, for the job that you're looking to do. And it'll pull up in an additional little information window, which if it's a citadel will tell you the, the actual costs, the, any additional costs plus the rigs, plus all that other stuff. So if you really want to kind of get down into what, you know, picking one over the other maybe you want to maximize me over te or te over me or whatever it is or or whatever it is you're looking to do the end game one gives you all that information right there you have to kind of know what you're looking for but yeah the end game one i use a lot i like it yeah, kenneth you um you've been playing this game a long time you were around when the cryos expansion came out or Krius, cryos um 
Did you did you have something to do with that one? Um, yes and no. Uh, back then, it was just tweet fleet tweet fleet Slack, and there was no Discord. Didn't even exist really. So um, there was a, a wonderful developer um, named CCP Nullabore, and he was pretty active in there. And so was um, CCP Fozzy. And it was almost kind of like a pseudo focus group. Um, there was still the CSM, but at the time, the CSM wasn't really industry focused. So some of the other things uh, bounced off of us. Um, CCP, oh, Gray, I call him Grayskull, but I don't think that was his real name. <laughs> Grayscale. Yeah. Um, and, and Yitterbum, um, I think Yiterbium. his name was, yeah, him. <laughs> um, those guys would, would convo me and ask me about this or that, you know, kind of off the record type yeah. thing. Um, so I didn't have any official direct input. Um, but those guys would, uh, they were, they were in tune with, throughput especially after btac r and stuff um so they knew they could see what was going on and they asked a lot about pain points and that kind of stuff and uh and some of the stuff we knew about but some of the stuff kind of caught us off guard um but that that expansion it didn't quite change as much as this one for in-game stuff but it definitely added quite a bit to industry for sure yeah. Hey, Kenneth. So just just so the the newer people, can you reload this tool with just say uh, one jump or something, and then just very quickly walk through which of the columns people should be looking at and kind of how to read it, um, just just to kind of left to right, or what should they focus in on? Because there's a lot of information here. Okay. Well, as you can tell, each column, manufacturing, TE research, ME research, you can sort each column from high to low or low to high. So it depends on what you do. Manufacturing is if you want to build a ship or a module. TE research is if you want to research a BPO to reduce the amount of time that it takes to build something from that BPO. Um, and TE is time efficiency. So the more that you research the time efficiency of a BPO, the faster you can build items off of that B BPO. Uh, ME is material efficiency. That the more you research that, the less materials it will take to, to make the item when you build off of that BPO. And then copying is pretty self-explanatory. That's making blueprint copies from that blueprint. And all of these indexes go into an equation that you have to pay an install cost when you start a job. So the higher these numbers are, the more install costs that you're going to have to pay to the game. It does not go to the structure owner. That goes to uh, Concord or SEC or someone. I, I it sinks it, it sinks out of the game. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it goes out of your wallet and you don't get it back. Um, but that goes away and it's all based on these numbers. So if you want to do copying in a MAR is one of the best places to do copying because that number is really low. Um, but I'm not sure that there's basically it's 0 0.09. That means that's essentially zero. So there's probably no place in Amar to do those activities, which is probably why it's so low. Um, but ASHAB is probably not some place that you want to do it. But down in uh, Serum Prime, uh, there's probably no place there either. Uh, but Earning, um, there's nothing going on in Earning. Um, let's see, what's the security? Yeah. So if you look at the bigger chart, it'll tell you which ones are low sec and this kind of stuff. It doesn't have it on this chart. Mm, that's but important that's basically what you're looking for on these to, to tell you where you need to start looking. Yeah. Uh, word to the wise. And we're talking to players who are interested in this may not be masters of it yet. But if you're going to research a blueprint, don't take your original through low sec or that's not advisable because you can be killed unless you're confident that you can traffic it through. But you will find the lowest prices in null sec, sorry, in low sec, because that is where people don't take blueprints to copy or to research. And, and that's, I would only put them in a station in low sec, um, putting them in an engineering complex in low sec. Um, I know there's some beta Dells out there where they put them up and all they're going to do is wait for people to put their stuff in. Then they're going to pull the fuel out of them 
let them go abandoned and shoot their own structure. That way everything drops instead of going to asset safety. So be very, very vigilant about where you're putting your items. Yeah, that is happening a lot these days. So your item will become a loot drop for somebody else if you put it into their station and they decide to do that. Um, so put it in an NPC station if you're going to use uh, a low-sec system somewhere. All right. By the way, going back to Cryus expansion, my favorite expansion was Cryus of all the expansions that have ever come through because it unified industry into one window, gave you insight inside the game for how you were going to build something. It broke everything down into percentages and demystified a lot of things, but I just liked how it cleaned up the industrial experience. And unlike you, uh, Mr. Kenneth, I liked teams, not at first, but I love the idea of strategic industrial active gameplay. I, I, I think you have me wrong. I, I thought teams was the best thing they ever added to the game. <laughs> I just realized how insanely broken they were and how much, I mean, hundreds of billions of ISK that uh, were made off of teams. And yeah. I used to get hate mail all the <laughs> time for hey, you dumbass, why did you pay so much ISK for that team? You'll never get your money out of it, you know? And here I am jamming in 20 Titans, saving 10 billion a Titan, going, let's see, that's 200 billion saved, and I only paid 15 billion for the team. Yeah, I think I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't, you didn't hate it. You just knew how to abuse it and thought that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, I would go to bed sometimes and I, um, I had two alarm clocks and I would set them both and wake up in the middle of the night to snipe teams routinely. I would do that all week long. I'd wake up two or three times a night to snipe teams. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, yeah, it was yeah. horribly, horribly, was horribly broken. Just to, to for people that weren't around when Teams came out, Cryus Expansion had this new feature called Teams, and it was in the lore and the backstory that you could hire teams of scientists that burn themselves out for a few days in order to cash out and retire. And essentially that meant you could buy discounts, but it was an auction style. And so Kenneth would, of course, throw a bunch of money, get the discounts that he needed in his system and save a lot of money doing that. The cool thing I thought was, Anybody who buys a discount buys it for the system, not for themselves. So you could leech off other people's discounts, which was kind of cool because now you could be strategic about where you were going to build drones, where you were going to build uh, armor repair units. And so it became kind of an interesting thing that had you moving industrial stuff around. I thought it was a lot of fun. Now, because you made so much ISP, you didn't care about index. The index in the system that Goons built in and Declean and our system, PL system, and a few others were well over 10. And we just didn't care because you made so much ISK that whether it was a 1 billion install cost or a 4 billion install cost on a Titan, you were saving 10 billion on the hull and another 6 to 8 billion on the components. Yeah. It just, it's just, it didn't matter. It was just insane. Yeah. So and it scaled infinitely. Yeah, so CCP basically said pretty soon after it came out, like, this isn't working how we intended. We're not going to spend any more time fixing it. So we're taking it out of the game because they wanted to take out parts of the game that were broken so that people didn't fuss over them. But I think they took it out because you guys were killing it. <laughs> but anyway, that was a while ago. Yeah, they, they, they knew. They, they're, they're not that dumb. They, yeah. they play. They knew. Yeah, but they didn't come out and say people are abusing this or just benefiting too much. They said, uh, we're not going to work on this anymore and we don't want to just leave it there. So we'll take yeah, it. Yeah, they said the auction system isn't fair because of sniping. And there's, uh, and the other problem with teams is there'd be hundreds of them available. But out of the hundreds, two would be just so OP it was stupid. And then there'd be about five or six that were OP. And there'd be about, 10 or 12 that were good and then there'd be the other 85 that i mean if they put them in my system i would just shoot them and just you know not have to deal with them anymore so they were <laughs> they were just that bad 
Right. Only, only a few are competitive. Yep. Um, the last thing I'll say about this, because I talk about it occasionally, I'll reference this as far as an industrialist and building and strategy and that sort of stuff was what was neat about it is you could put your base somewhere in an area and then, um, you know, that would be your warehouse. And then you would run jobs out to different systems and freighters and start building in different areas. And it just felt like it was much more engaging gameplay uh, than um, than what we have now, which is like you build a, uh, you basically stay in one area and build, build, build. Okay. Yeah, I want to I want to adjust one of the comments in chat. Yeah, he's talking about uh, if you're saving like that, who cares if some other people are sharing in it? Um, in my system, there was three of us that built, and all three of us put money in the kitty to buy these teams from. So they were sharing it, but everyone was also contributing. Um, so that made it easier to buy more and more teams. And it just increased our, our profits just that much more. It just, it just compounded and snowballed itself into, you know, absolute stupidity. And that was null sec. So it wasn't easy for somebody to come and bring a freighter to build there and leech off your investment. It was impossible. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And the high sec, they just don't have the throughput and high sec. I mean, because it would be for capital components and some low sec guy would be bidding against us and he's going to, he's planning on building 10 dreads and we're planning on building, you know, a thousand dreads and how many ever Titans or whatever. So that the scale didn't matter. So there was no way he was going to outbid us. Yeah. You guys are going to throw enough money at it. And again, you can't share null sec because you have to survive getting there. So, but in high sec, you could just go to whatever system. Nobody cared if you were using their stuff. So it was, it was kind of cool. All right. But we're talking about the past. Uh, and that's because the present looks like the transition was pretty smooth. I think, Kenneth, you did you say everything you wanted to say about uh, the new stuff? Or uh, Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of the, um, the items, the drops are starting to show up in JITA in numbers. Um, I know... Hmm. I have to be careful how I say this. I know that they are being watched closely for the numbers that are available. Um, I'm pretty sure CCP is pretty happy with what's showing up and what people are finding. I know that people are finding more and more every day and more people are jumping into it because it's making certain areas of the game that haven't been profitable or mildly profitable quite a bit more profitable now. So as more and more uh, exploration happens and more and more things get going, then uh, the drops will increase and that kind of stuff. And hopefully that'll just keep going. Um, I don't think we'll ever get to the points where the the price drops. So people are like, nah, I don't want to do that anymore um, because they'll start buying them, build ships, that kind of stuff. So hopefully that keeps going. And the, the whole, one of the premises of this was to make it easier for new players to have more avenues to earn ISK. And if a new player has avenue to earn ISK, the veterans will have more avenues as well. So it'll, it'll make some of the veteran activities uh, more profitable for them, but it'll also give a foothold for the new players coming in to uh, diversify the way that they can make ISK. Yeah, I think yesterday I um, reemphasized how much of a work program this was for everybody all the way down to the bottom new guy that's just starting out, everything becomes more valuable. There's opportunities to do things. Now doing those missions doesn't feel like a waste of time. Now doing the uh, exploring doesn't feel like a waste of time. Doing gas huffing, etc. Cool. All right. Um, if you guys have any questions, go ahead and uh, put them in. Otherwise, we're going to wrap up. Uh, Rundle, do you have any other piece of news that you wanted to put out there? No, I think that's the primary news that we covered. Uh, you know. It could have been busier if they hadn't had a fairly smooth uh, uh, launch uh, of the second half of the of the changes. So I think it went fairly well. Um, I'm gonna, you know, in my continuation to play Eve the wrong way. I did a few builds in Jita over the last little while. I probably should have moved the materials and built somewhere else, and even increased my my money a little bit. But I don't know. We'll see. I I just click the buttons and have fun. I don't care. Normally, yes, but this is such a big change that you might. You might still make a profit even though you're giving 15, 10, 15% away to Jita. Uh, it's one of those That's changes. Right. Yeah. And the, the added convenience uh, will save you the time. It's just one of those times where that might actually pay off anyway. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it works out. If not, I had fun. 
spending all my money building <laughs> ships and I have lots of ships to to either sell or explode. I got an op- I have options in front of me, right? So I have some pretty fancy blingy ships if it doesn't go well. Look for me in a bunch of pirate faction battleships or whatever if it if I can't sell them. All right, one quick question I'll start here. Start chucking them at Eve. From uh, he had Razdov or something. He says, "When's the next episode of Jove Talks?" I want to say that the second episode that was recorded about a week ago is out on um, YouTube.com slash Talking In Stations. You will see uh, Jove Talks One, Jove Talks Two. So both those are out. We are going to do a third one, and we may continue this series since it's popular. The next one we have is next Saturday, and we're going to have a Dremeleth, I believe. He is the former leader, since he's not playing anymore. Uh, very, very fierce player. He's the leader of Inner Hell. And uh, we may do a complete hour with him. He's a Russian player. He speaks some English, so we'll uh, have translators there for the more complicated stuff. But a full hour with a Dremeleth and, uh, from Inner Hell. That's May 8th, as the next Saturday Okay. Yeah, we have it penciled in for there, and we'll probably do it. It'll be a special episode, uh, and it will be live, so you'll be able to uh, witness that live at, I believe, uh, I didn't give the time because that's not settled, but I believe it's at 1600, could be 20, 20 hundred, or uh, 8 p.m. Uh, European time or Eve time. Uh, so we'll see about that. Should be cool. All right. Uh, I don't see any other questions here. Yeah. There was one about the Intel tool. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the decloaking thing. Um, as far as I know, that's still, you know, in in it, it it will be coming. I can't tell you exactly when, but um, as Ritati says, CCP Ritati said during uh, one of the streams a couple weeks ago, um, CSM and and CCP have kind of agreed on a basic framework and. Uh, we're, we're kind of moving down that road. Uh, again, I don't know when it's actually going to go into production, but uh, it, it should be soon-ish, hopefully. All right, good. Well, listen, Kenneth, thanks very much for walking us through this whole thing uh, starting you know weeks ago when it was announced. Uh, that was one of our high, highest-rated videos ever, uh, the reaction video that you did. Yeah. Uh, we know you're running for CSM 16. I don't mind uh, saying, you know, you have a TIS endorsement since you're so good at this and it's so present in the development path, obviously. So good luck with that run. Uh, Rundle, thanks for hanging out. You're very welcome. Uh, Always enjoyable to talk uh, industry and spaceships and war and all the fun things. All right. Well, that was patch day for April 27th. And uh, next, we're going to raid you over to, is Trash Talk Tuesday on today? It is. I'm going to zip over there. All right. Well, you guys can hang out with Rundle over there. All of us uh, here at TIS, we'll see you next time uh, on Talking in Station. One last thing before we go. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to take a deep look at the communications that were coming out from Alliance leaders. That is still set. Then on Thursday, we were supposed to have a guy from Code talk to him about ganking. We've moved that to Friday. So Code on Friday... And uh, Wednesday is still uh, tearing apart some of these uh, messages and getting behind the scenes on what these messages meant from people involved in the war in Delve. So check that out tomorrow as we go through their recordings and have like a reaction stream. Thank you, guys. That's all from us today. We'll see you next time on Talking in Stations.